0: I also have a surprise for you guys.
1: You have a surprise? <gasps> Vegemite. Oh. Awesome. <laughs> never,
0: never had it. Haven't tried it yet.
1: Oh, oh not at you? all. No.
0: Is it th- even opened? It's open. Haven't tried it. Smelled it. That's as far as I've gotten. So that yeah, could be how, that how could be some
1: aroma for you. Um, it's
0: uh, it's indescribable. I've I've been trying to figure out something to compare it to and it's just it's like it's it's its own thing
2: is this a show
0: it is now <laughs> i mean there's like there it's there's
1: fruits there's vegetables and there's this you're taking what's an australian condiment a staple and turning it into what seems to be like a wine connoisseur experience i i've never seen anyone approach it like that
0: <laughs> i mean i have to what else what else is there right now you know i have to take different foods and and experience them. I also have finger limes. I haven't tried those yet either.
1: Lovely. So we, I mean, now we've been talking about Vegemite on and off in our chat and I'm, I'll be honest, I'm a Vegemite tragic. I smear that stuff on like it's nobody's business. Do you think that's something that you'll be able to warm up to Jason? Because I do recommend, as Andrew said, that you go for the light spreading, maybe with some butter or margarine.
0: That's what's interesting. It seems like people are very very, very polar opposite on this. You either really, really love it or it's just disgust all the way down. There's, there doesn't seem to be a middle ground where somebody would say, oh, if it was on a table, I'd have it. It's like you really go for it or you just don't want it at all. So I ordered some because we kept talking about it. Um, I got two jars. Uh, fun fact. So I've got a two for one deal. So I hope I really, really like it. Or we're going to have two jars of this in our refrigerator uh, probably you have a lifetime supply. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I'm going to try it at some point, uh, during this recording, I think, and hope that I don't offend slash have you guys never talk to me again.
2: I've got a theory and a tip for you just as in that conversation. So my theory is that Americans don't generally, generally like it cause they, they, they spread it like peanut butter they make it thick. So that's a reason for the disgust. It's a user error they're not they're not using this the substance correctly so that's my tip um also i noticed you said you're keeping it in the refrigerator don't do that it goes in the cupboard
0: oh my apologies it has not been in the refrigerator this is as room temperature as it gets
2: perfect so perfect. you never need to refrigerate that i stuff, would i would never opened.
0: never Mm-mm. i know better
2: it's got a long <laughs> half life it's fine Hey, hello to both of you. This is our new podcast.
1: Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot we started a thing. That's right, we should give some context. Who'd like to dive in? Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm about to eat Vegemite. Yeah, no worries. Well, I mean, to everyone who's listening, welcome to Hemispheric Views. This is really an audio experiment. It's a journey for the three of us. Journey is a bit of a cringeworthy word in my books, but I'm going to use it because it is a journey. We're trying something new. Um, this really spawned from... Uh, I suppose, a pilot episode that we did on my podcast, Lounge Ruminator, and we enjoyed it so much that we decided to make something more of it, try to make it a habit. And thank you, dear listener, if you are there, I hope you are, for joining us. Now, I get the feeling with this break that Jason is actually diving into the Vegemite. We're going to get his thought in a moment. But what you can expect on this show is a bit of a tech chat, maybe some things on culture, books, films, whatever sort of tickles our fancy and given the fact that andrew and i come from australia andrew on the west coast in the city of perth me on the east coast in the city of wollongong and jason from us and a uh, there's going to be some difference in accents and views so i hope you enjoy the ride with us so jason do you have any thoughts for us this is really really unique
0: um wow it's bold it's strong (laughs) I'm. I don't, I don't know what to do with
2: it. Um, what? If, what if you spread it on here? Well, if you, okay. That? So that
0: might be part of the problem. Um, it, yeah. So I. I don't have any toast right now, or bread, rather. So what I've done is I've taken a Triscuit. Maybe you have those. Maybe you don't. I don't know. Yeah. It's a. It's a. It's a. Fairly plain cracker. Uh, salted and I've put a thin layer of the Vegemite on the cracker.
2: It's a salted cracker with salted Vegemite, okay?
0: It's okay. I love, <laughs> I love some salt, so we're good there. I'm, I'm okay with the salt level. And I just, I cannot for the life of me give any context to what this tastes like. It's not bad. Um, I just don't know what I would do with it. You know, like it, it doesn't, there's not a place in my life where I'm like, oh, you know what? That would be a perfect place
2: for Vegemite.
0: I'll eat it though i think it's actually i think i could it could grow
2: on me it's breakfast time that is the perfect time and place for vegemite that's as intended i'm seeing it more as a lunch food
0: but i, I could see a breakfast maybe in my future with this yeah but my next question i didn't do any research on vegemite at all but what Do either of you have any idea Why does it exist? What is it for? It feels like the kind of food that came about as like a military ration or something where people weren't getting enough B vitamins or whatever. So they're like, you know what? You're eating this because we're just going to bombard you with vitamins. Andrew, do you know?
2: I have a vague recollection and it's, it's, I've done no research and this is based on a memory rather than fact. I think it is a byproduct of... Because it's a yeast ex- extract, and I think it's a byproduct of brewing from for alcohol. Mm. Australians, big drinkers, big drinking nation, always have been. So I think that basically in the early days of Australia, nothing went to waste. So they brewed beer, and then said, "We've got all this gunk. What do we do with it? How do we make it useful?" And so let's make a. That food totally out of it. makes sense. That's my. It's probably a glorified story, but there must be an element of truth in it some somehow.
1: Yeah, and then flowing on from there, what Jason said about the vitamin B and all the other nutrients. I, I mean, Andrew, you would know this, and if any Australians are listening, that old jingle about being a happy little veggie might pumped out constantly on the radio, and it's a bit of a legacy advertisement.
2: I'm just thinking I could probably sing that Vegemite song right now. I'm not going to, because I'm not at that stage yet of my um, comfort levels. But, you know, keep it time. Might be able to sing the song. Well, Jason, I am incredibly impressed with you. You're powering through that. That is excellent. Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: And I think we can follow up in the future. If you do happen to try it on toast or with other recommended foods like avocado, really nice with avocado, we'll see what happens. We move on to some of the things that we've maybe put in our notes here. Um, Andrew, do you want to kick it off? You've put a very interesting initial topic here for sort of the world of technology. What, what do you have to say about ads? You're a bit passionate about that?
2: A bit passionate in that I really don't like them. And I know that they're the, the thing that makes the internet go round, right? That's how the money, the money wheel turns. Um, but I'm not a big fan of corporate internet anyway. So if corporate internet finds life a little bit more difficult because of me and my desire to block ads, then so be it. Um, So I think for the longest time I've run an ad blocker of some sort or another, but in probably about a year ago, if not, maybe even a little bit more than that, maybe um, I got interested in something called Piehole which has to be the greatest name in naming history, I think, calling something a pie hole. It is an ad blocker that runs specifically on a Raspberry Pi. And I was so interested in this that I bought a Raspberry Pi for the sole reason of running pie hole on it. And so the way it works is rather than the typical way where you have an ad blocker that is running in your browser or on your device um, running the rules over the top of anything that comes into it. PyHole actually goes in between, it lives on your network and goes in between your devices and your router. So it becomes the very first port of call in from your service provider. And so the it at that first point of call blocks ads immediately which means the computer or the device isn't doing any work in blocking. It's just running default and it sends us, you know, the the requests come in and they don't get passed through to the device. So the ads get blocked by the pie hole and then the rest of the authorized traffic goes through. It is superb and it's quick. It's, you don't notice it. Um, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful piece of technology developed by you know, a bunch of nerds um, that I recommend wholeheartedly. And it is so worth investing in a Raspberry Pi just to get this thing up and running, which is not even that complicated. You don't need to be a Unix guru to, um, to make it work. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to say that you know, I think this pie Hole is the best ad blocker technology you can find.
0: Yeah, I've used it in the past as well. Um, it's I don't currently use it. I now also have used the... Um, we used to have the Eero uh, Wi-Fi system, the mesh stuff. And they had something similar. If you had like Eero Plus or whatever, you could get some kind of ad blocking thing. The pie Hole thing I think is really awesome. And it work- I like that it works for every device regardless of what device it is. So even if you have some random thing on the internet it doesn't matter you don't have to have a specific ad blocker for that device it just works at the network level which is awesome the only issue i ever had with it was i was i was always deathly afraid that as with anything with a raspberry pi running my whole world on the raspberry pi that's in a closet that i inevitably forget about and then if it dies i'm stuck figuring out why does my whole house not work anymore <laughs> and, and, and that, I mean, it's a little irrational, but it's like the Raspberry Pi, they almost work too good, where they just kind of disappear and you forget they exist. And then, if anything happens, eventually you go, oh, right, the Raspberry Pi, I have to go reboot that.
2: <laughs> but the PiOL thing is cool. It is, it is not, it is not irrational at all, because I have the same thought. I have, I think I've spent all this money. I've got a UPS thing for my power supply, I've bought the Google Wi Fi. You know, mesh network. I've got all this expensive Mac equipment, all backed up by a forty-dollar Raspberry Pi, and, and I do look at it. It sits down just near me, so I can kind of see its little glowing red light. And I check on it from time to time, and occasionally do some software updates on it, and just make sure sure I'm giving it appropriate TLC. Yeah,
0: the whole the whole house runs off something that's powered by a micro USB cable. Like that's <laughs> kind of scary, but cool at the same time. We've come a long way.
2: And if it goes wrong and I'm not around, my family will just, um, they won't know what to do because they, don't, they won't know how to reconfigure the Raspberry Pi. So I need to leave explicit instructions upon my death.
1: <laughs> For each of you, has the Raspberry Pi taken on some sort of role or function that no other device has? I mean, Andrew, you mentioned the ads. Jason, you said it's easy to forget in the cupboard. Like, can you speak a bit more about it?
0: For me, it's been on and off. I, I, they're very much a hobby platform in my, I mean, you could really you could use one as just your computer day-to-day depending on what you're going to do. But for me, it's always there's always little fun projects that come out every couple of months or years where it's like, oh, yeah, just throw in a Raspberry Pi and you're good, which is great because you don't have to experiment with your actual computer. If the thing catches on fire, who cares? Because, again, they're, they're very inexpensive and somewhat disposable in the sense that if something breaks, you can just burn it to the ground and start over. Um, the Pi Hole was the last one that I did. I don't currently use one for anything. I was using one for HomeBridge for a while, which is another, well, actually, yeah, we could talk about HomeKit as well, but HomeBridge is another system that kind of runs on top of a Raspberry Pi or, or on top of anything. I don't use it for that anymore because now I ha- I had an, in, uh, what is it, an Intel Nook computer, the NUC little next unit of computing, or I think is what it was called. I had one of those laying around. So it was like, I can either use that or Raspberry Pi. So I'll just use that because I have it. um But yeah, Homebridge is another big one that runs on top of Raspberry Pi that I think people might or might not know about.
2: Yeah, I'm not really much of a hardware guy because I know a lot of the projects with Raspberry Pi are tied back to, you know, put a little screen on it or have little LEDs telling you different status messages and that kind of thing. I'm really not into any of that stuff. Um, And I've looked around at different Raspberry Pi projects and none of them have ever been so exciting that I thought, oh, yes, I'm going to do that. Literally, the pie hole is the only thing I do with this. Um, I sort of tooled around with it for a few minutes when I first bought it. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I'm not really into this. Um, So, yeah, it's a single purpose computing device for me. It's an appliance. Um, and if it does die, I'll probably buy another one and just carry on using it.
0: That's what makes it so cool, though, is that, like, you don't have to use a $1,000 computer to run this. So you can just kind of tinker and try things. Whereas if you had to use a $1,000 computer to run Piehole, probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> it just seems like a little excessive. But for $20, 30 $40, I mean, you, you can get Raspberry Pis
2: now, I think, $15 or something like that, which is just
0: insane.
2: Yeah, I bought the starter kit because I had no idea what I was doing. So it came with all the little, you know, the box to put it in and the extra bits and pieces. And, but, you, yeah, if you, second time around, you wouldn't even need to do that. So, um, yeah, it's a great thing. The one thing I right, sort of raised a question for me, though, in terms of ad blocking, I wanted to ask the two of you, do you use any in on-device ad blockers? Because I do have one blocker as well that I use for my iOS devices when I'm not on the local network. Um, which I've been pretty happy with. Just wondering if you guys have had any experience because I know SetApp has another one, um, AdGuard, I think it is. Um, and I uh, just, it, it seems, I don't know, it seems a bit heavy, but I was just curious if you guys have any experience and what is best in class ad blocking from a software point of view at the moment?
0: Uh, for me, I don't use anything anymore. Honestly, um, I used to try using various ones for iOS and macOS. Mostly just because I—it's hard to know if anything's ever actually doing anything. And like, what does ad blocking really mean? Is it blocking like just tracking? Is it blocking visually what I'm seeing? I don't know. It just it, everything felt like, well, I'm seeing an ad. Why is it not being blocked, or is that like on a whitelist or something? I don't know. So I, I kind of just gave up on all of that and and moved to my, my personal favorite blocker is cash. If if I can buy something to not see an ad, that's my primary way to go. Um, like, uh, let's see, like like a Hulu, right? Where a Hulu, if I think I don't, know, I think they have different tiers, but you can either pay for it and still have ads which I don't get at all but okay or you can pay to never see an ad ever again perfect that's my best way to go I don't want to see ads on that ever again YouTube premium was another one that I, I don't currently have but you know you pay them nine bucks a month and nothing has ads ever which is great um, I use YouTube DL now so I don't deal with any of that anyway but for me I think I if I can I'd rather just pay someone because at least I feel like then there's still an even exchange of me giving them something for you know instead of giving them 30 seconds of time I'm giving them X dollars a month so for me that I think that's my best ad blocker but for for Safari and and Firefox and everything else I don't have anything on there anymore Um, I'm not running anything network wise to block stuff Um, and I guess just selective biological blocking is, like, another way that I go about it, where, like, I just don't see it anymore. There's just so much crap that it kind of overwhelms you, and you just don't really notice it anymore. Um, You know, thankfully, we don't have the big, like, banner pop-ups or popovers or any of that stuff anymore, but, um, yeah, I think just not seeing it is really the way that i go now and and if i can i will i will try and pay for a service and honestly if, it, if it's something where there's an option of of ads and paying and i don't feel like it's worth going the paying route it kind of makes me question do i really even want what this is providing
1: yeah i totally agree with what you're saying jason about paying to get rid of ads like you, Andrew, I do use One Blocker. I experimented a little bit with the DuckDuckGo Safari extension. I liked that, but it wasn't actually clear from installation whether it would be blocking ads or just tracking or whatever. Settled on OneBlocker, it's the same across iOS, iPadOS, macOS. But relating to what you were saying, Jason, about paying for stuff, streaming and the other things you said, totally agree. But things like Twitterific, for example, uh, if I'm browsing Twitter, just the fact that that leads to an ad-free Twitter experience, even just using a site like micro.blog, which we discussed in our pilot episode, just orchestrating and finding environments where you can avoid ads, which for me is a very troubling thing because I studied a, an advertising and marketing major at university and here I am detesting the very thing that is my craft. So, you know, it's an existential crisis for me.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, I, but at least for what you're talking about, that is wholly different than what internet advertising has become today. So I think at least in that regard, you don't have to feel too bad. <laughs> um, and we're, in terms of Safari too, like with the new, new Mac OS and new iOS that are coming up with, there's some kind of Safari, I don't know if, I wouldn't know if I'd call it a blocker, but... Um, I am on the beta of macOS. I have noticed that there is at least there's something that says in the last X days, I have, you know, I being Safari have blocked X, Y, and Z. So I like that fact that it at least is telling you what it's doing instead of just kind of this, we have a list of 40 billion things we're blocking and you never really know. Did you block any of them or are you just you know, in the way of what I'm doing. So I think it'll be interesting to see what comes of that, of the stuff that's just kind of baked in. Um, I'll leave that stuff on because I don't see any issue in doing that.
1: Yeah, the naming and shaming is a powerful idea.
0: Right, yeah. When it says that, you know, Facebook had tried to track you on the last 63 links that you clicked, it's like, oh, that's, I didn't, you know, for I think a lot of people, they don't realize that's even happening. They hear ad blocking. They just think they're not seeing the, you know, punch the monkey ad in the corner. But when it starts to say, you know, everything you're viewing, 90% of what you're viewing is being tracked by Facebook. And then the next one is, you know, Twitter. And then the next one is double click and then blah, 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 all the way down the line. You're like, wow, there's like, it also makes you realize there's like three companies really doing all of it. Um, So I I think that's going to be pretty powerful. And it seems like people are already, well, people being companies are already upset about the, the, the Apple blocking stuff that you know oh, our revenue is going to go down and all that it's like well
2: yeah it's it's hard to feel sorry for that industry isn't it I mean they've feasted on the the data the data exhaust for such a long time and now that they're being they're being held up a mirror is being held up and I guess being saying look people this is what they're getting from you um, and Joe Average had no idea and has the opportunity now to say no I don't want to give some random company that information.
0: Yeah. Or continue to say they don't care. Okay. That's fine. You know, I, I think most people don't, well, I mean, I hate to throw on most people, but a, a lot of people on the internet genuinely don't care and would love to give you, you know, show me 50 ads instead of me giving you 99 cents or whatever. Okay. That's fine. But I think for the people that don't know or do care, That should be way more transparent, and like I said, with the Safari thing, where it just blatantly calls out, "So and so looked at you 18 times yesterday." I I think that's that's not unreasonable.
2: And then you hear people complaining that, "Oh, it must be they must have enabled my microphone to figure out that I was interested in a holiday to the the, to you know Southeast Asia." It's like, no, they. They probably just figured it out from your browsing and what you were looking at and what, and it's amazing the amount of profiling they can do. They don't need to turn on your mic, the microphone.
0: There's way less technically complex ways for them to find this stuff out. And I think it's, it's, it's interesting that, that to your point, people would, would think that it takes something that far to figure things out on them when no, it's really just, you click on a lot of stuff. I don't think you realize how much stuff you click on every single day. You go to do one search and, you know, you fall down one rabbit hole of links and here's another links and this is tied to that. And all of a sudden you've somehow visited 300 unique links when you were looking for one thing. And it it doesn't take much to build a a social picture of you out of just where you're going.
2: Absolutely. It only takes one like. To to bring this back around to the pie hole, just to let you guys know that. I've got 93,956 domains on the block list and I've got 8.4% of the requests in the last 24-hour period have been blocked. So 47,000 requests and 4,000 blocked. Um, so it does a pretty impressive job with that kind of stuff. So,
1: And you're enjoying that visibility and transparency?
2: Yeah, that's fun to look at. It's always good to look at a chart, right? And nobody knows then that I'm browsing for holidays, which I'm not because I'm housebound.
1: That's right. They're imagined holidays. Now, actually, that's a good point to segue because you brought the pie hole back and the mention of being stuck at home. Jason, you mentioned HomeKit and how that relates to the Raspberry Pi. Can you tell us a little bit about your HomeKit setup or, or or how you sort of approach this?
0: I love HomeKit. I love, love, love HomeKit. I think it's had a, it's had a, it's had a rough go <laughs> in terms of being a product over the last couple of years. Um, I think, kind of, probably like Vegemite a little bit to wrap that back around. People either love or hate HomeKit. Um, I'm in the love camp for sure. I think it's just it's it's what we've as nerds and geeks always wanted. Technology to be is where you could speak to your house. Right and and actually have it perform things and and be useful. Um, so I we my wife and I both love HomeKit. We use it all the time. Um, I just wrote something the other day, just kind of recapping because I realized I hadn't really thought about what we were doing in regard to HomeKit in a while. Um, we recently moved, so it was it was a nice chance to do a clean slate on what we wanted to do in terms of HomeKit. So we have all kinds of stuff, you know, from very basic lights. Um, we redid uh, all of the the blinds slash shades in our house. Those are all HomeKit now. So at any moment, every shade in the house can go up, down, or anything in between. Um, we've got HomePods on, all over the place. Um, so, I, you know, kit, different camera things just because it's fun. Doorbells, all the the whole deal, Um, but yeah. So for me, HomeKit has just become—it's become another checkbox, honestly. Too for when I'm looking for new things. Where, uh, for instance, we—you know—it was time to get a new TV. So it was like, okay, what what does the TV need to have? Okay, well, it's got to have the basics, you know, 4K, this size, HDR, blah blah blah, um, OLED, and it's got to have HomeKit in it and AirPlay too, because we know. TVs, at least currently, still are one of the last few electronics that you don't buy every damn year. So if it's got to have it now, it's kind of like cars, where if you get a car that doesn't have CarPlay, well, you're not having, you're not going to have CarPlay for a long time. So for the TV, we definitely wanted to make sure that was in there. And and I was talking about Homebridge before, which is it's another one of those little cool geek projects I think that just exploded, kind of like the pie Hole, where there are things that are connected to the internet but they're not HomeKit. So it's kind of this weird, like, in-between zone where they went just far enough to get a Wi-Fi chip in there so it could sort of work with some horrific app that was built in 12 seconds, um, but not far enough to actually go the whole route to work with HomeKit. So HomeBridge is this nice little layer in between where it does this kind of translation layer of saying, okay, I'm going to talk to your quote-unquote smart device, and translate that into HomeKit speak so that it can be within your home app and you can do all the things you can normally do. So we use that actually a lot at our last house because we had a good number of things that just you know, didn't have HomeKit, but were connected. Now, because we moved and it was it was kind of, again, fresh, fresh slate to, to start with, um, it was like anything we buy has to have HomeKit in it or we're not buying it. Uh, it was kind of the Apple Pay route all over again, where if they don't have Apple Pay, I'm not going there. But you know, if it doesn't have HomeKit, we're not buying it. So now basically everything is native, which is kind of weird to say now, because it felt like it was never going to get there. It felt like the kind of technology that it's going to be in a couple higher end things and you're going to pay for it. And, and that's about it. But it feels really like it's everywhere now for the most part. And I think a big part of that is when they transitioned. It used to be you know buy this chip from us to put in your thing to implement this to now it's just software so that's good but I think you know it's got security built in it's it's security first from everything I can tell obviously I'm not you know a security researcher diving into this thing to see what's going on but in general I trust if it's got homekit in it that it's it's you know treating my privacy as it should be um, like with homekit secure video my video from cameras is not going up to some random cloud thing that eventually will be bought by Google. Uh, It's just sitting in my iCloud storage, which is also great because now my two terabytes of storage is actually getting
1: used. See, Jason, when I'm hearing you speak about this, the only image that I have in my head is the opening of the first installment of Back to the Future where Doc Brown's dog food is being opened automatically and we're just panning along. Your entire house is just like this automated
2: experiment.
0: That's what I'm trying to go for. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> that's the end goal for sure.
2: <laughs> Sounds like you're a real poster boy for um, for HomeKit. That's that's impressive. Oh. And it's so different to my experience. Martin, uh, do you use it, Martin? The extent of my HomeKit
1: experience is two HomePods in a stereo pair and going down the route or route for our American listeners, I will respect both sides, um, of hooking up an iPod Hi-Fi to an Airport Express to add it to the sort of audio-connected experience. Do you know what I mean? The old iPod Hi-Fi, Steve Jobs' Revenge music product. Um, Yeah, because I have one of those and love it. So I added that to have that on the AirPlay 2 network. But no, I haven't dived into the uh, world of cameras or lighting and stuff. That's the
2: same for you, Andrew. I have it to a small degree, so... I have a home, a single HomePod, and really, in terms of the automation stuff, we've got some lights, and that's really as far as we've gone. And the lights I got were the LifeX ones, so they weren't the Philips Hue that had the um, the hub thingy bob that they use. It was just every one of every bulb is connected directly to the internet in its own right. And I have to say, I haven't been loving it. It it strikes me as, it's really, it always seems slow. The amount of times either I ask it to turn the light on and then I stand there in the dark for 10 seconds and then the light goes on or Siri Siri will say, I'm having a hard time connecting right now and then it will happen. And it's like, there doesn't, there seems to be this massive disconnect between what the siri home kit management software thinks is going on and what the light is actually doing and so many times i just think why can't i just walk over the wall and turn the switch on (laughs) it's like this this seems like cool in theory but not cool in practice um and then there's the the human elements of it as well i feel really i sort of have to i feel a bit self-conscious like yelling out to turn lights on and annoying everybody else in the house who doesn't Need to know that I want a light turned on, um, and then I also feel like I have to overthink it because rather than just the connection to brain, I need light. Flick, it's I need light. How do I ask for a light? Which room is it in? Uh, it's in the library. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then asking the question, <laughs> and it's like just I feel like there's this huge cognitive overhead going on when I have to just turn on.
1: You almost feel like you're initiating a command in Shakespearean iambic pentameter or something like, Siri, Wouldst thou turn on the light? And then you wait five seconds and then it activates. And
2: you have to think carefully with Siri because if you don't do it right, she won't respect your wishes. Um, So, yeah, I've had a hard time with it. I'm not at the point where I want to write it off because I like some of the, the time-based automations, like turn it on when somebody arrives home. I really love that. That's probably the winning feature for me. The garage light goes on when I roll up by proximity. You know, and I would like to get some cameras and that kind of thing because I think that'd be cool. But I'm wondering whether in Australia we are limited by range, supply and price because it always seems really expensive when I've looked at it. And I just think, are people really like? It's a good question, Jason. Are you really paying that much money for these devices? Because they're super expensive here.
1: Is it cheaper in the US? It's pretty easy to assemble. I, I don't know what
0: the pricing difference is. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff is or can be pretty pricey. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look at the different at the difference in the pricing. But I, I would imagine it's probably more prevalent here, just in terms of availability. Um, because of the fact that I think it's not a world, you know, it's not a, it's not a cell phone, right. Or it's not a computer. So it's not going to have the same worldwide, uh, want from everybody. So I'm sure it's probably more prevalent here. Um, but I, I, I definitely feel when (laughs) Andrew, you're talking about the, this weird, like, I don't know what to say, how to get stuff to work. And then everybody has to, the other part that's interesting too, is with like a phone or a computer, You can put whatever apps or whatever things you want on there because it's yours. But when you're talking about a house, all of a sudden now you're making decisions that affect other human beings every single day. And I think that's something that you really, if you're going to do things with HomeKit, you really need to plan that out and make sure everyone is on board with it. Because when you go to then put in, at least, so when it used to be like this, right, you'd put in all the lights. And then it was like, okay, in order to turn the lights on in this room, you have to use this app. In order to turn the lights on in that room, you got to use that app. Don't use the wall switch because if you use the wall switch, it's going to mess everything up and everything's going to go weird. Now all the lights are are blue. So that, no one likes that because that's just stupid. You have anybody that comes over to your house and they flick a light switch and now the whole room is blue and they're like, what the hell just happened? So it's a major thing you need to worry about in terms of of future proofing your house because the last thing you want to do is just have everybody upset when they want to turn on a light switch um i think for me like the lutron system which is it's it's smart switches instead of bulbs so you have a normal light switch on the wall any person can walk in and touch it and it works like a light switch but at the same time i can still say hey turn on the lights so Plan, plan, plan if you're thinking about doing anything with HomeKit because it will affect everyone in your house or anyone that ever comes to your house. And that can be really frustrating, especially when you want to be the person that's like, oh, look at all this cool stuff I got. And then somebody comes over and uses it like a normal human being, which is something you didn't think of because you're a weird nerd. And everything breaks. And now they're like, yeah, cool system. It doesn't work at all. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're just walking with your tail between your legs like, oh, well, it was cool.
1: It's good that you're at least considerate of other people entering your home. I think the major turnoff for me has been even though HomeKit, as you've described, Jason, is unifying all of this stuff and making it easy. It's this, yes, as you said, Andrew, the theory is that it should all work together nicely and just be super easy. But suddenly you're adding all of this extra complexity to your life. I could just walk over to the light switch and flick it and it would work as it always has. Or I could assemble all of these goods that will soon be obsolete because the newest Philips Hue will be out. And so I don't mean to denigrate your experience. I actually think it's quite cool and I'd love to try it. I think that. That's just the thing that stops me from crossing over the line to put it together and suddenly have all of this other material floating around. Plus, there's also another reference comes to mind. I don't know if either of you have seen that Treehouse of Horror episode in The Simpsons where The Simpsons have an automated home that's voiced by Pierce Brosnan that tries to kill Homer when he becomes infatuated with Marge. That sort of technological dystopia does enter my mind. So first of all, yes, your lights are turning blue and you don't expect, but then suddenly it's trying to kill you. So who knows where that's going?
0: That's fair. That's fair. I, yeah, I, I could see that. And I think that the automation part, like you just said, where I think we're not there yet, right? Having to still tell it what to do is stupid. Like that's not cool at all. But it's little. Like I see little things here and there where it's like I have a light strip in uh, behind the TV, and then some other lights in the uh, in the you know quote TV room. And when I turn the TV on, it just tells everything else to turn on, and that actually has just been working flawlessly and those are like the little things where when we get to that level you know when i get home it it sees my phone turns on certain lights unlocks the door that kind of stuff is where i want to get to i think we've still got quite a ways to go though
2: i feel like you're living in the future i'm still struggling with hdmi cec oh talk about
0: a train wreck of a of a system yeah that's that's, don't worry, it still doesn't work very well. I mean, we we just, with the newest TV you can get and still CEC is like hit or miss.
2: It sort of works, but... I just have four remote remote controls lined up. I'm like, I'm just not even going to try and integrate these. It is not worth it.
1: <laughs> just you do it the old... It generally works pretty well with the Apple TV, but sometimes I click the button and I see that little light come on the Apple TV and I'm like, oh, it's working and then... Nothing happens with the TV and you wait for that reassuring click, like the life has come to the television. So I agree. It's a bit all over the place. Not to mention there are seven letters in that initialism. I don't know why it's so long. HDMI CEC. It's exhausting for something that's supposed to be short.
0: Yeah. And I, I just wish it was consistent. It, yeah. it seems like when it, it's one of those great things where when it works, it's, oh wow, this is cool. And then when it doesn't work, you're just sitting there like, what? how does this even, it just worked two Mm. minutes ago and now it's not working at all or it'll or like part of it'll work where it'll turn the thing on but then the commands don't get sent back and to to control volume or whatever cec is is maddening at at the same time where it's like i mean i guess it works enough to where i like it but geez come on
1: i have a question for both of you um just to to guide this elsewhere i mean you said jason that your wife is really into the home kit stuff Andrew, I'm not sure about you and your family and tech and everything, but are both of your respective families really on board with the products and services that you introduce or you try to push on them? Or how does that work? What's the acceptance like? Maybe starting off with you, Andrew.
2: Oh, it's, um, well, with the, the lights and stuff, I think we've got, got people on board. The kids have no idea that it's even happening. Um, and my, my, my wife deals with it. She's okay with it. She uses, in terms of shouting things to Siri, she's asking, she's setting timers all the time. That's kind of, and playing music. That's about the extent of the use of that kind of level of automation. Um, but no, she'll, she'll say, she'll talk to it and ask for the lights to be on and off and that kind of thing. With regards to other technology, they don't get into it like I do. <laughs> I think that's probably not that surprising. <laughs> what about you, Jason? So you're telling me your family is not excited about the new fan you put in
0: your NAS? They're not, they're not really into I that?
2: Actually, <laughs> I, I, told, I told my wife I did that, and um, she was like, oh, that, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so excited about it, I put it as an extra topic on today's show. I thought the people want to know. <laughs> I was excited about it. Still want to hear about it. Oh yeah, You do, or you won't, because it's so quiet. I clicked on a link
0: just to go look and see what it looked like. <laughs> that's that's how invested I am in
2: this. <laughs> it's a lovely, it's a lovely fan. I should just, I'll just deal with it now. It's the Noctua. Noctua fan. Um, replacing the, had to have been the cheapest, junkiest fan in an OWC Thunder Bay. Um A Thunderbolt hard, dis- hard drive array. Because um yeah, and it was, I, I was so excited about getting this thing and then I realised that it's a Thunderbolt device so the, it has to be right next to the computer because the, the cables could only be short, otherwise you get data transmission loss. And it was so noisy. And I've had it for a while and I've just put up with it. I got to the, yesterday and I was like, I can't deal with this anymore. I need to solve this problem now. It's doing my head in. So it was you know, quickly onto the Googles, you find the forum where other people with this product have said like, no, you've got to, yes, it's rubbish. The one they, they, they promote it as whisper quiet and it isn't, it's a Chinese $2 junk fan. Um And everybody was saying, no, you need to get the Noctua. I was like, okay, if that's what, if that's what they say, that's what I do. Fortunately, there was a local PC retailer, you know, the, sort of the PC shops where you go in there and, I was just going to ask, do you guys have cool, like, PC stores
0: still? Because that's not really a thing here anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah. We've got, we've got a number of them. Um, and this place, you know, you go on, I checked online, and they have the full you know, warehouse sort of search, search inventory system. I found the one I wanted. So I quickly jumped in the car, drove down, you know, 10, 15 minutes away, drove in, got it, had to get past... It was the stereotypical PC IT guy. And he was sort of like, oh, what do you want this for? And so it's almost like <laughs> <laughs> Explain yeah. yourself it's to like, me. In my- <laughs> Your money's no good here. <laughs> so it's like, I'm trying to negotiate buying the fan. It's like, this is the one I want. Are you sure that's the one you want? Let's let's really check. And I, I even brought, took the old one in. I was like, "Look, see, I'm replacing this with that." Let's let's have a closer look. <laughs> so he opens it up. I'm like, "Don't take it out of its packaging. That's part of the fun. It's noctua, and they have nice packaging, and you're ruining my thrill." Ah, uh, yeah. And then and then he said, "Oh, what's what's it for?" I was like, "Oh, it's for a raid array, thunderbolt raid array." Thunderbolt. What is that? A NAS? I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, I went into, like, I have to justify my existence. And I was, I was saying, like, well, it's actually is this RAID array is replacing. I used to have a QNAP NAS and it got old and I decided that this was a better way to go. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. Should have just bought another NAS. <laughs> I didn't want another device to manage, man. I just wanted storage. Oh Cool. Yeah, thanks for your input. I'll go ahead and do that in the past when this it already happened. There. It didn't stop there. He said... So, what, what sort of computer are you plugging into? I was like, uh, oh, I know where this is no. going. Oh, oh no. I was like an iMac. Oh, oh. oh. I've, got, I've got a philosophical problem with uh, Apple. I just think they, they don't use standard parts. <laughs> oh. It was like, oh, you know, like, what's wrong with USB? I mean,. USB. And I felt like getting into it was like saying, yeah, Apple revolutionized USB, dude. <laughs> they were the first ones with it. But no, he just wanted to get on his little rant. And I finally- Not to mention USB-C wow. C is also used by other companies. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, continue. Yeah. So I finally, <laughs> finally managed to convince him that that was the one I wanted. Here's my money. Can I pay, please? Get out of there. Go home, install it. The thing is whisper quiet. It's so good. Um, so yeah, it even comes with little silicon screws, like, which aren't really screws. They're just like little prongs to stop any, like, if it was metal, it would vibrate against one another. So silicon just holds it.
0: So, so to be clear, you did not invite him to your house to help with installation?
2: No, no, I didn't think he would be helpful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised he didn't offer. He sounded (laughs) tremendously friendly.
0: (laughs) So... I'm starting to take back what I was saying about having cool computer stores that are local. Maybe not. It, it
1: really
2: Can I just ask you, Andrew, was anyone else in the shop? Um, there was one lady who was just sort of working the register, if you, if you like to put
1: it that way. Um, right. So he was just very keen to have a conversation with you. He just needed a friend. But I think so. didn't have the social skills. Yeah, right. yeah.
2: And he was clearly just the guy who assembles the PCs in the back room. You know, that, that, I don't think they let him out much. I
0: was waiting for you to get to the part about using, using it with a Mac because I knew that was just going to be all
2: bad. <laughs> Icing on the cake. I, oh, I was getting worried that there was that. You're honestly going to say, I'm sorry, we can't sell it to you. You know, you are not <laughs> This is
0: incompatible yeah. with a Mac. And you're like, it's not it. A- okay. Well. It's the wrong format. Imagine the look on his, fit. Imagine the look on his face had you said, oh, I'm running Linux. <laughs> <laughs> his head would have exploded with
2: joy
1: i think you should go back to this shop and continue the story and just see how far you can push his buttons
2: all right all right i'll take that as a
1: challenge for the week no pressure but you know just just go back and just say you know i've just been really enjoying all that the apple platform has to offer and etc etc list the advantages (laughs) just see what he says
2: you know it can run windows as well mate oh, look, he's going to have an aneurysm or something <laughs> over there. You've got to be careful. Uh, now, look, that was a completely unfair sidebar because we were about to ask Jason about his family and how they manage with technology and devices. So let's loop back to that.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, for uh, my wife and I are the same person in that regard. Like, it, we, we're into the same stuff, and, and we're both equally, I think, excited about all forms of technology, really. Um, so we don't really have any... There's really not been any issues. I'm sure there's been crap that I've purchased and, and implemented, just assuming that it was fine. and And uh, <laughs> apologies in advance if that's happened. But I, I think for the most part, uh, everything has been been pretty good. I, I think we, we're both equally frustrated though when when if there's that time where we say, "Hey, you know, so so and so do whatever," and it doesn't work, or or like the CEC thing, where it's like hey, we bought this TV and we paid all this money because it does all these cool things and it doesn't do it. It's like, okay. But I don't think that's any different than anything. You know, if you bought something for your kitchen that was supposed to do one thing that, that didn't. I think we're both very particular though about what we buy in terms of aesthetics and, and the quality of something. And we're both very picky, probably far more so than, than uh, is healthy.
1: That's great. I mean, in my case, uh, Natasha, my wife, has been incredibly accepting a a lot of the technological suggestions that I've given her, mainly on the hardware side of things. She's sort of become, I suppose, the tech person at her school where she teaches. Where the boundary lies, though, is when my never-ending deluge of suggestions when it comes to services or apps comes in. That's where she goes, okay, look, I know you love RSS, Martin. I know you're all about the open web and, you know, your micro.blog and stuff, but you just need to step back because I'm just comfortable scrolling through Instagram where my friends are. So I think some wives or partners are subjected to more of this than others. I did see a tweet the other day where this guy said that he discovered that his wife had a folder on her phone that said his name next to shit i think it was adam's shit or something and all of the apps that he had recommended had just been put into this folder so she can have them there to show him when necessary but she knows where to relegate them so as far as i'm aware natasha has no such folder but she's very patient with me
0: that is fantastic i love that i mean it's 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 in our nature to try to I mean, it's excitement, right? It's all out of, it's it, it's out of love. We, I think we, we we get super passionate about stuff and really excited about things and immediately just think, well, I like it. That means everyone does, obviously. And it's like, oh, you got to use this. You have to use this. And then, it's, then it somehow becomes our job for whatever reason that we have to sell people on something that we didn't make, we get no profit from. We're probably going to have to support it. But yet we sit there and just try like hell to. You, you have to use this. You got it. You have to. Oh my god. You have to do this. Like like one password is something that, oh, that yeah. I've used for forever. And I, I sit there and I try to sell everyone on it. You have to use this. You must use one password. Your passwords suck. You have to do this. And they're just like, what? no, I, I, you know, I use password one, two, three. It works for everything. It's great. And if I have to, I'll add an
1: exclamation point at the end. And then it's a great password. Yeah. People would have button just say, look, I do have one password for everything. What are you talking about?
0: Exactly. They literally do. And it's like, no, no, you got to have this thing and it's the system. And then you got this other password. Now you got to remember. So now I've already given them another password, which is something they don't want to have to remember. And then you got to put all your stuff in there, you know, spend all this time getting it all looking right and and working and, and oh, by the way, uh, no, it's not free. Uh, It's going to cost you, you know, $80 a year or, or whatever the hell it costs now. And, and then, oh man, you tell somebody something costs anything more than free, and holy hell does their head explode. Like it even if they're on board with it, which is I think that's something that drives me so nuts, is you'll do something on a computer or phone or whatever, and they're like, Oh, what did you what did you just do? How did you do that? Oh, it's this, you know, it's this sweet app. I just, you know, type three characters in it and it just, you know, does my laundry. And they're like, oh man, that's amazing. How, how do I get that? Oh, you just go you know go in the app store and download it. Oh, cool, immediately. Is it free? N- well, no, it's not free. I just told you it does your laundry when you type three characters. Like, why would that be free? And they're like, oh, oh, well, you know, how much is it? Oh, it's 3.99. 3.99, oh my go- oh, god, oh, geez. Uh, yeah, this is this is ridiculous. I'm like, oh, hell, fine. That's, you know, whatever. But anyway, with the one, the one password I think is the one the most where I try to get people into it so badly and it generally doesn't really go well. The people that want to use one password or or something like it, you know, LastPass, whatever, they pretty much already have it. I'm not revolutionizing anyone's world when I tell them that there's something that they can put passwords in and only have to remember, you know, one password they already have it or they don't want it. And that, you know, that's fine. But here I go on my quest to try to get the world to use better
2: passwords. Yeah. Just, um, I have the the same sort of thing. I'm just going to say that thing with paying for apps though, it's a bit like the people who will drive around looking for cheap petrol or gas, Jason. Um, they'll, they'll spend 45 minutes driving around to the cheap one. Then they'll go inside and they'll buy an overpriced chocolate bar and, and a can of coke and suddenly well there goes your savings because you just paid you know, convenience store prices for your for your chocolate bar you know like what a waste of time that was but that's just a and then yeah they're, they're the same sort of people who don't want to pay a dollar for an app that happened all the time in california
0: where there's a there's a big store called costco um which is like a okay you clearly both know what that is i would assume it's Warehouse you know, big of everything. Bo- yeah you know you get you need a 15 gallon thing of mayonnaise they got you you know 4700 pickles in a jar they they got you but they (laughs) probably they probably have one that is so ungodly american
1: it's ridiculous how big are your fridges in that country that's what i want to know to house these bulk purchased items
0: I know. I think a lot of people have like extra refrigerator. I don't, it's not uncommon. I don't think to have like an extra refrigerator slash freezer, like in your garage or something to store all this stuff, but they have gas too. They have like gas pumps out, you know, in the front and like a lot of them, there'll be like 30 gas pumps and you can never drive by these places and not just see a line as far as the eye can see of people just waiting in line to get gas. And it's not like it's, half price you know if it were four dollars at the place you would normally go it's like i don't know 389 or uh, whatever pick a price it doesn't really matter it's not this amount we're waiting for 30 minutes to get gas when you could just go right there and get it immediately i i don't know i never understood that i'm sure somebody could tell me why it makes sense but yeah to save 15 cents but spend 30 minutes i don't get it and to that point yeah to to save time on something for 99 cents in an app or whatever like why why not i i i guess that's that's a super privileged thing for me to say i i guess which is totally valid but at the same time like i just i don't know how you can really scoff at a 99 cent purchase for something that is arguably improving your life um Yeah. I don't know. It's just, uh, it's always that question. Is this free? Not even how much does it cost? The question is never how much does it cost? The question is specifically, is it free question mark? As if that's the only question there could be. Like, I don't know. When you go to, you know, go to work every day, do they go, are you working for free today? Like, no, no one says that.
1: Yeah. Someone's livelihood is attached to it. So, I mean, really the moral of this podcast episode is pay more for your petrol. (laughs) Yes. Yes, absolutely. Respect the livelihood of those who collected it for you or developed that app. I think that's nice.
2: Yeah, I think my, my white whale in terms of getting people onto apps is OmniFocus because I love that thing.
0: Wow, you, you just oh, went all the way. I love that Ooh. app so
2: much. And I feel that anybody could benefit from it. But uh, you can't. You, you just can't tell people to use it because it's so... You're fighting a religious war
0: there. That's like, that's a serious business. And I'm not even talking about
2: people that are using things or using a different app. It's like they're writing on sheets of paper and they've never been exposed to this idea of task management. I'm like, I think, and you know, it's like, this would be perfect for you, but how do you start? So I never do. Um, Except with my wife, I did try and get her on OmniFocus a few years ago now. And I learned my lesson big time. She was Absolutely overwhelmed with work and she had so much to do and I could see, you know, she had all these things going. She couldn't keep them straight. Didn't know what to do. I'm like, that's OmniFocus. That's a project. That's a project. And then you just flip it to the other side and you pick your to do's, you know, what's available kind of thing. And I got, I set her up. I did all the, all the husband things. I set up the app. I, you know, sort of talked her through it, showed her how it worked. And then it just sat there unused in the dock, <laughs> just never being clicked upon. It was, it was back when the icon was the little purple fault, little purple clip. Oh yes, I love uh, that icon. Yeah. Um, and it just sat there unloved, unloved. And then I remember clicking on it, you know, some time later, and it was like OmniFocus has a, has a software update. You know, it's like oh, just <laughs> has not hasn't, been touched. Hasn't been touched. <laughs> like, this just isn't going to work, is it?
0: You kind of have to back into that. It seems like where you 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 can't start with the app. It's like you have to be sold on the principle to then fall into the app. Um, yeah, that's such a tough one because it I, that's another one like one password where I know how much something like that, whether it's OmniFocus, things, reminders, whatever, has done for me so of course it fixed my life so it's going to fix everyone's life (laughs) and it's like oh boy you just brought yourself a world of pain trying to convince someone that their whole life should be in this app like
1: yeah to me the red flag is when you see someone attaching a physical post-it note to their computer sorry if you either of you do that but i think you know there, there are actually numerous tools for the input of text within this device that is sitting in front of you however you've decided to adhere this little piece of paper to the side of the screen please explain and they just go this is how it works for me like okay i'm not going to touch that
2: and then you get the people that have all the post-it notes basically it's like an entire picture frame of post-it notes around like what is on all these things
1: that's right my to-do list is a bezel around my computer it's like a
2: short order cook you know they're just picking up the next ticket and i get
0: moving along at least for them though when you have something like OmniFocus, you can put in a billion tasks and it looks like one, but at least with the monitor thing, they're limited to like, you know, however big their monitor is. Unless you start buying new monitors so you can hold more post-its, that's when there's really a problem. You're like, oh, you got a new monitor? Yeah, I ran out of post-it room. Like, oh, we need to talk. This is not good.
1: There's a method to their madness. Yeah. Uh,
2: what about you, Matt? Is This this is kind of like you, I feel like you have some, some pains on this. This one because this is something that you brought you wanted to bring up. Uh, is there something that you need to confess? Is- uh, my problem
1: is that I'm too eager to suggest things to people. I don't know if it delves into the area of mansplaining or not, but I think one of you said maybe it was Jason you, you just have this philosophical attachment to why this thing is really, really good. And it comes down to things like RSS or writing apps and so forth. You know, I see someone using Microsoft Word and I think, okay, well clearly you have not explored the world of other note-taking apps or Markdown or whatever, just things that actually work in a way that is distraction-free. And I'll say, oh, have you considered this? Have you looked into that? And you just get this look of why would you dare suggest an alternative tool? And you think, oh, I'll give it a go. I'll, I'll try to sell them on it. But you just go, it's not worth it. And every time I do it, I just think, why did I do that? Just leave them be. They don't need to be instructed about how to do this thing. So it comes from a good place. And I think a lot of other nerds would, uh, you know, relate to that. You want to help someone or give someone a better tool, but you know what, maybe they're fine with the mediocrity of something like Microsoft Word and having a ribbon of 5,000 poorly represented icons that could mean anything.
0: It really is passion, I think. I I think we've we and i'll I'll speak for everyone like it, it's it's often it's not misguided it's just that somehow we think that it really can we're trying to help people, <laughs> which sounds a little bit probably over the top but at at least for me personally I I feel like whenever I'm doing something like that and I do catch myself like what do you just shut up like just stop they don't care all you're doing is is confusing people and and being annoying to them and from my side I'm like oh man this person is gonna their life is gonna be so changed oh they're just gonna they're gonna go home they're gonna say guess what I learned today somebody told me about this thing and my life is so much better like no that's not gonna happen it's just not it's not but we try you know we we try it's it's one of the few things uh that us nerds try to do to be really helpful to people it's just maybe not what they other people need
1: (laughs) yeah and i think we sort of become evangelists of something because maybe we've heard it from a friend or it's been that word of mouth or maybe we've read it on a tech blog or site but we've identified a problem that has to be fixed and then we go and explore it ourselves, apply it, work out the way that it works for us, and then bang, we found our solution. Whereas the unwitting victim of the of the recommendations of the suggestion never explored that problem. It wasn't an issue for them. You've come along and just said yeah have i got a solution for you so you're sort of an unwelcome salesperson in a way so i i, I always trying to think how can i be more self-aware in that sense and not be that annoying guy even if it comes from a good place
0: the fa- the computer fan guy at the computer store that's who we actually are i just realized no, that's terrible no, say that, so
1: does that uh i think just about wrap us up for today is there anything else you two wanted to talk about
0: uh, I guess we should go over our sponsors, which are uh, Casper, Squarespace, and uh, Linode.
2: I wanna thank it's not them Linode is for... it for Oh shoot, is it? I don't I gotta read the copy. Oh damn it, no, I think you're right, it's Linode. What we do need to promote though, forget the sponsors, we need to promote our own site. And we have gone all out. Well, Jason went all out. And we have got a we got a website, we got inline players. You can get you wanna listen to this podcast, you can do it. Hemisphericviews.com. That gets you all the information you need right there. Listen, enjoy, subscribe, tell your friends.
0: Apple Podcasts, Castro, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, RSS, Spotify, probably
2: 15 other ones at this point. This is the most over-engineered podcast for episode one that you will ever come across. And I think for that, I think we should all give ourselves a little round of applause because the back end is humming. Now we just need the content. The foundations are set. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like and subscribe. Is that it is that this is that where we do that? I think, I think so. so.
2: Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Go go to that person. Don't tell them about Omnifocus. Tell them about Hemispheric Views. This amazing new podcast coming to you fortnightly. That's bi weekly for Americans. And listen and enjoy but andrew i have a question is it free yes it is wow does it get any better than that sold although not so sign me up you can always feel free to make a donation via our coffee account because hey we got bills to pay
1: beautifully put these things don't produce themselves that's right well i suppose we should thank the listeners if they've made it this far this has been good fun
0: yeah, thank, thank you, everyone. And always, please, 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 please send feedback, suggestions,
1: whatever. Are we awful? Are we great? Are we mediocre somewhere in the middle? Let us know. Yeah, let us know at hemisphericviews.com. And where can they follow or find each of us?
2: I'm on, I'll say microblog first, because that's where we all came from. I am at Canyon on microblog. I do have a Twitter account um, at Andrew Canyon.
0: Also, micro.blog at burke b-u-r-k no e uh or just burke.io for everything else
1: cool and you can find me on micro.blog and twitter at martin feld this has been good fun thanks guys see you later thanks have a good one
0: are there any other random weird uh i say weird that's not the correct term any other like vegemite d type things that i can buy
1: so yeah on top of the vegemite thing jason you've got the Tim Tam slam. Now to explain the Tim Tam, it's an Arnott's biscuit. Arnott's is the brand and they're not plugging and you know, I'm not plugging. They're not sponsoring the show, although they are known for having no substitute for quality.
0: Okay, so I came across that accidentally. I forget what I was looking for. And that it's it's like a it's like a cookie that you do something with tea or something and you like slam it in your face.
1: Uh, it was what you do? You take the Tim Tam, you nibble the end off and then you turn the biscuit and you nibble the other end off and what you suddenly have is a biscuit with no ends and in the middle is this sort of icing material, right? And what you want to do... Yeah, it's like a chocolate thing. And what you do is you put your mouth on one end of the Tim Tam that's been bitten off and you dip the other end into your hot chocolate or coffee and you slurp the hot beverage through the middle of the biscuit and then shove it in your mouth as quickly as possible and the whole thing melts and explodes in this fit of chocolate pleasure. And that's a Tim Tam slam. And that's what you need to do. Uh, Cookie in Australia. When you say cookie, there's a very classic image of the sort of American chalk chip cookie. Everything else is a biscuit. Is that fair, Andrew? I'm
0: loving chalk chip. That's my new favorite thing. Chalk chip. That's what I'm calling it now. Not chocolate chip. It's like I don't have time for that. <laughs> chalk chip. Really? Oh, yeah. No, he says it. chocolate chip. No, chalk chip. <laughs> That's so good. I love it. <laughs> chalk chip. That's my new one. Got it. Got to write that down. <laughs>